You're listening to The Bookstorian Podcast, a podcast for book lovers and bookstagrammers. Hello and welcome to The Bookstorian Podcast. On this episode, I have a chat to Risha from at the Diaries underscore. We have a chat about her bookstagram account, as well as The Road Trip by Beth O'Leary. And just a warning, there are definitely some spoilers on this episode. So if you are interested in reading the book, make sure you do that first and then come back and give the episode a listen. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Bookstorian Podcast, Risha. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. I'm excited to talk to you today as you are one of the accounts I've been following for a little while and we definitely have some conversations in our DMs every now and again. So it's really great to actually be talking like in person slash on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It's really cool. I remember I followed you like when I started my account, maybe a month into it. And I was like, she has a podcast. That's so cool. <laughs> and then I listened in a few episodes and it's so it's so crazy to me that like I'm on here now that's amazing that's really good it's it's nice to to talk to people who've listened to the podcast before as well because you have an Mm. idea about um how it all works and um the sorts of questions that I ask and so that's really great so then you would know that we always start with an icebreaker question and my icebreaker question is what book did you recently not finish um, so mine was Gunk Baby, which is by Jamie Marina Lau. I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, it it's sort of, it's very, I don't even, it doesn't even have a plot, so I can't even explain it to you properly. But it was just, it's about this girl who opens up an ear cleaning service in a shopping centre. So it's like an, I think it's like an Asian tradition. I might be wrong there, but um, to like clean out your ears. And so she opens it and it's sort of like, has the same vibes as like a massage parlor would um and it's just like a commentary on consumerism and shopping centers and I just did not vibe with that there was no plot the characters were like come and go um it just didn't it wasn't really a story it was just like reading like a diary of someone there was a lot of metaphors and I was just not vibing with it I know a lot of people really liked it I just it's just not for me so I put it down yeah how far through did you get before you put it down? Um, I think it's like a 300 page book. So I think I got up to page like two, between 200 and 250. So I gave it, I gave it a good go. Um, but then I was like, it's not for me. I'm just going to put it down and move on to something else and give it to someone that would actually maybe like it. I find it really interesting to see people's opinions about do not finishing a book or DNF Mm. as our um, abbreviation is, but a lot of people are quite opinionated about when to do it. Um, Do you, do you have like a rule that you go by if you are thinking about not finishing a book? I used to like never let myself put a book down like ever. I used to be like, well, I need to finish it. If I pick it up, I must finish it. And I sort of like, that was my attitude. And then this year I was like, I'm supposed to be reading for fun. It's supposed to be a fun thing. And I just need to stop reading if I don't like it. So the second I'm like not vibing with the book, I keep that in mind. I'm like, okay, this isn't my vibe. I'll keep going um, until I, if I see sort of it, I may maybe liking it in the future. Like if it's a thriller and it's a slow start, but I know it will pick up, I will probably push through. Um, If it's a romance and I'm like interested in the characters, I'll push through. But if it's something like this, like commentary or even like nonfiction books where I'm just not finding them interesting, I maybe give it like a hundred pages and then, then, then I'm like, ah, no. And I put it down. Yeah. It can be quite difficult because when you have a 
Well, it can be quite difficult if you have a goal you're trying to get to for the year. And I found last year, once I kind of hit my goal, it was really easier to not finish a book because you feel like you didn't waste a few hours on a book that you're not going to finish and you're not going to get to your goal. Um, However, I probably found that in the last like two years, maybe it's, it's something that, yeah, I thought about a little bit more when I'm reading a book. And when you have that vibe of like, Hmm, should I, should I keep reading this? Am I really that invested? And I'm having that with a book at the moment called Our House by Louise Candish. And it mm-hmm. is marketed as a thriller. Um, and essentially the premise is, is uh, our main character Fee comes home to find that her house has been sold or like other people are moving into her house and it kind of comes mm-hmm. out that her husband sold it from under her and that's very early on in the book I certainly haven't given away any spoilers <laughs> there but I'm at the point now where like I'm piecing things together and I'm just I feel like it's going to be really predictable or if it's not really predictable then I don't even know if I really want to read it and yeah yeah, so I'm. I don't know. I I don't know whether to wait another twenty four hours and see if I want to give it up. But yeah, I think I'm. I think I need to put it down. <laughs> I think I think you should. Life is too short to waste reading a book that you just can't like enjoy. I guess. Yeah, and my my other book that uh, in the response to this question uh, is Emma by Jane Austen, and I purchased yes. an annotated copy of it. Um, and it's huge. Like it's it's quite thick Mm, and I I purchased it as something to challenge myself because I've never got through a Jane Austen before um but I I still didn't enjoy it even though I learned a little bit about the historical context through the annotations and I like like the images and the drawings but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day I ended up watching the 2020 movie adaption that was directed by Autumn DeWilde instead yeah and that was enough to satisfy me like the movie was really well done and I felt like I didn't have to read the book yeah no I feel with classics it's quite difficult um I used to read them for school because I had to um but like for recreational reading I find them really difficult to get into uh uh, audiobooks help with that though sometimes if you just chuck it on in the background it's easier yeah and I definitely did that because there there is a free copy of Emma on Spotify that I listened mm-hmm. to, but I found that I you, normally when I listen to an audio book, I'm either driving or it's some kind of chore that I'm doing at home yeah. um, on a, or on a really rare occasion, it's a puzzle. Um, but I found that the language was just washing over me and I was like, hang on, what just happened? And I'd have to go yeah. back and reread the chapter in the book. And it just was becoming a bit monotonous. And like you were saying mm-hmm. before, most people read to because they want to learn something, but they're also reading for enjoyment. And you're not getting that sense of enjoyment. That's probably a good warning sign to put the book down. Mm -hmm. Um, My one exception to that would actually be if it's a book club book, I, I find that it's much harder to put down a book club book, knowing that you're going to have a conversation about it with a group of people and you kind of want to at least have finished the book to talk about it. Yeah, no, that makes so, so much sense. Like you want, even if you're not liking it, it's something, it gives you something to talk about. It gives you material. So you might as well finish it. No, I feel the same way. Yeah. So we are connecting today because we both have a bookstagram account and that's what I do on the bookstagram podcast is I reach out to different bookstagrammers, have a chat to them about their account and then um, either talk about a genre of book 
um, or a, a particular book itself. So can you describe your bookstagram feed for the listeners? Uh, I feel like it's very chaotic. There's not really a proper structure to it. There's a lot of colours. I think colours, like, I guess, grab the eyes. I've always gravitated towards doing, like, bright colours. But then I also like to have, a like, a white background. So it's usually, like, a white bed sheet and then, like, colourful books on top. Um, but there's no theme. I'm very indecisive. I feel like I can't stick to a theme. I'll get bored really quickly. Um, I like doing, like, photos of books with outfits as well. I think that's fun because it gives a little bit of colour. It makes it a bit more interesting. So there's no, like, structure or theme. It's just whatever I feel like. But I try and make sure that it's colourful. There's some sort of colour in there most of the time. Yeah. That's also kind of freeing by not having a set theme as well. It means you probably can improvise a little bit more when it comes to doing your posts. And I also like you have a little like template that you use when you do a book review where you give the blurb of the book, uh, but then you also might give that little template about what to read if you enjoyed that book. And I'm finding that that's like, that's a really nice way to connect with other people and to use that carousel feature on, on Instagram as well. Um, to sort of not just say I've read the book, but here's some other things that are similar to it. So that's a really good uh, feature on your bookstagram as well, if people are interested in finding out some more about that. Uh, what advice do you have for bookstagrammers wanting to use their stories more to engage their readers? Because I know that you uh, share a lot about um, what you're reading or even some things that are happening in your life as well is you share them via your stories. And I know that you had... Uh, a little while ago, a series where you were talking about um, publishers and like mm-hmm. how you can potentially like connect with publishers and what sorts of things you need to do there. And like, that's just one of the few things that you share. So what's, a, what's advice that you have for bookstagrammers wanting to do a similar thing on their stories? I think like, just go for it. I remember at the beginning of my account, I had maybe like or not beginning but like the middle like 1500 to 2000 followers but I only was getting about 20 to 30 views on my story and I was like well what's the point of posting something if only 20 people are going to see it and they're just random people no one's responding no one's engaging why do I even bother posting but then I sort of just did it I was like I'll just show what I'm reading or I'll just show that I went out to dinner um, and what I ate. And then I found that the more I posted, the more people watched. Because I guess when you post your photo goes to the top, like your little circle thing. Um, and so the more you post, the more people are going to watch, ask a lot of questions. I feel like that is something people don't realise that they can do. Um, just ask a question. Ask people what they're reading. Ask people what they think about something. Um, use the polls features. Use like the slidey bar. Use um, the question box. Use as much as you can. Make your stories interesting but you don't have to like go out of your way to do it just I guess post what you would like to see on someone else's account um and I feel like for the publishers thing a lot of people were asking questions about it and I was like responding to everyone individually I was like I'll just make a story because when I was looking to get like in touch with publishers there was nothing out there I feel like it was very gatekept by people who were working publishers like unless I messaged them no one was giving out that information And I was like, that's not, it wasn't like, it's not their fault, but it's just so difficult to get access to that information. And when you Google it, it's very American. Like there's nothing for Australian Instagrammers. So I was like, I'll just do a whole thing on my story. I'll post like 30 frames. If no one watches it, that's fine. But I know that there are at least five people out there that care. And I'm just going to do my best. And I end up getting like a good amount of views. 
and like people engaging. So I think just bite the bullet. Don't be scared if no one watches it, no one watches it, but just do it. I really like that advice as well is that at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal if, if people aren't watching it or aren't engaging mm. in it. It's still something that you're sharing. Um, and I find that Bookstagram has that sense of enjoyment behind it. While sometimes it can be a bit like, oh, I haven't posted for ages. What am I going to post? It's still a, a social media platform that for me is primarily like a relaxation or a good way to engage with people. Um, and there's certainly, I mean, apart from like, some annoying people that whenever I use like a podcast hashtag they always seem to go like oh promote it with this I was like nah mate I'm fine like I (laughs) I'm just doing this for fun as well so yeah it's that's a really good piece of advice for people that are listening and who might want to do a bit more on their stories just give it a go I find um and like I said before a lot of people actually love bookstagram um, for that community that they get and engaging mm-hmm. with other people's stories or hearing about their experiences. What are some bookstagram accounts that you really love? Oh, there's so many. Um, I, I, it was really hard to narrow it down, but I did. Um, so I really like for, I think it's for the love of words. It's Tiana's account. Her photos are absolutely stunning. Um, and she's such a lovely person as well. And I absolutely love her account. Her photos are stunning and she is such a like sweet person. Um, I really like Pauline is reading's account as well. She has really, really pretty pictures. Um, they're so simple, but they're so nice to look at. And her reviews are really great. Um, the pages, I think it's run by Sarah and Jacqueline. And I'm pretty sure there's an underscore there somewhere as well. Um, but they're really lovely as well. And they post like great stuff I feel like I I gravitate towards accounts that don't have like a theme and they just post pretty pictures but it's whatever they want it's not really like set in stone um and then two more sorry I know you asked <laughs> no that's right I was many, just gonna but... jump in and say uh the pages is at the dot pages underscore just in case people yes. are listening and I will also make sure I put a list of this in the show notes for everyone as well um, and then there's Bee's Book Club and Cozy Reads with Cass. They are also fantastic. And they're all really nice people as well. It's not just their account. That's beautiful. They are really friendly and really nice to chat to. Um, and Cass has like the best edits on her photos. They are so amazing. She's so talented with what she does. Um, so check them out if you can. They are all fantastic. They are some really good recommendations there. And I'm just going through the list and um, most of these accounts I also follow as well. Um, I've actually met Cass before and she's up here in Brisbane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she is, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. That's so, so she's cool. super lovely. Um, and also just wanted to mention that B's Book Club is B-E-E-S dot book club. So if you are um, interested and Cozy Reads with Cass is spelt with a Z as well so as i said if you are interested in um, checking out those accounts i'll pop them in the show notes for you as well hi i'm caitlin and i'm michelle we started better words in 2017 when we were both living in the same suburb since then we've moved further and further away from each other but we still love talking about books In each episode, we interview an author about their book and chat about their inspirations, their writing process and the publishing experience. With a few tangents in between about pop culture or whatever comes to mind. We feature adult and young adult books across a range of genres, although we do love a good contemporary novel, so you'll find plenty of them. 
and our authors come from the UK, Australia and occasionally the US. Each episode also includes some book recommendations from us or a mini book club discussion about something we've both read and loved recently. Unashamedly, we champion books we love on Better Words. So if you also love books with a feminist punch, character-driven stories, and are fascinated by the writing and publishing process, then you're going to fit right in. You can follow Better Words on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. And you can find us on Instagram at Better Words Pod for even more book recommendations and reels only a book nerd would find funny. We can't wait for you to join us. Um, speaking of relationships, the book that we are going to discuss today is The Road Trip by Beth O'Leary, uh, which centers on a, a relationship of ex-lovers. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about the book and about the author, um, and then we're going to jump in to a bit of a uh, chat about the book itself. So Beth O'Leary was inspired by her own holiday to the south of France, which uh, is one of the uh, different locations that we visit in the story. She also has some very definite music choices throughout the novel uh, and they're intentional because the characters are going on a road trip. And I do believe that there is also a Spotify playlist that uh, is for the road trip as well. So if you're, if, if you're interested in that for your next road trip, uh, definitely check that out. And Beth O'Leary's fourth book is called The No Show and is coming out in spring of 2022. So The Road Trip is her third book. Um, this have you read all her other books as well yeah i have yeah i read all three yeah excellent me too so this will make for a good conversation as well um and yes and i by all means i will definitely be uh ordering her fourth book as well which is meant to be out spring 2022 so that would be um english spring i'm imagining so we should potentially yeah. get it in i don't want to sound stupid here our autumn mm-hmm. Yeah, so like around <laughs> April, May, that area. Yes. Like when we got Excellent. the road trip around Excellent. Then. So that hopefully <laughs> we will, uh, this time next year, we would have read that book as well. Uh, some information about the book is, um, with a heavenly Taylor Swift playlist, two exes, a sister, a friend, and a tag along set off to rural Scotland for the wedding of a mutual friend. A road trip, which also drags up the inevitable past woes of a relationship and has the reader thinking, why did they break up? A thread of mystery, a pinch of wit, and a dash of the past, the road trip also explores toxic friendships, sexual harassment, and if there can be love after love. Kind of wanted to almost quote share there when I wrote that (laughs) last little bit. So you also mentioned that you've read Beth O'Leary's other books, so I should mention them there. So we have The Flat Share, uh, which is basically set in a apartment and we have two characters that are sharing the same apartment, but are shift workers. So they, they interchange between the depart- the apartment and they're not really in the same place at the same time. And then her second book was the switch, which uh, centers around a granddaughter and her grandmother that actually switch homes um, after a bit of trauma in their lives and kind of wanting to just shake it up a little bit. Um, if I had to ask you, what's your favourite Beth O'Leary book so far? Oh, definitely The Switch. I loved it. It was so cute. Um, I 
I didn't like the flat chair as much as everyone else did. I don't know why. Um, it's very much my up my alley, but it's just, I don't know, something about it didn't hit with me, sit with me, I guess. Um, and the road trip was nice, but definitely um, if I had to pick one, we'd switch. What's yours? Um, I really liked the flat chair and it wasn't as huge on the switch. Um, so much so that I actually sold my copy of the switch, but I'm regretting that now. <laughs> Because I would have liked them all to be sitting on my shelf together. <laughs> um, but I think I connected more with the characters in the flat chair than I did with the mm-hmm. Switch. Um, and I also kind of thought the Switch became a little bit predictable in times where it was like, oh, she might end up with him and the grandma, this will happen. Like, whereas I sort of, yeah. um, I, and I liked the, I liked that the flat chair felt really unique when I was reading it, like it felt like a very different premise and a different way to fall in love and the use of the notes. And yeah, I quite liked that. Um, But having said that, I also really liked the road trip. Um, And apart Mm. from, apart from the ending, it was pretty much a five star read for me. I I quite liked it. Yeah. 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 So overall, did you like the structure of this book? So we're now um, going to, the road, the road trip itself. So we have a bit of a switch to part of the pun between <laughs> now and then. And we also have that shift and change in narrator. So we have our lead, um, our leading lady, Addie, and we also have Dylan, um, who is the, the, the male character as well. So we flip between the two of them narrating um, and then we're having elements of the past and the present. So did you enjoy that structure? I really did. I gen- I generally enjoy like past present switches. I feel like it gives such a like thorough um, view of the characters. It shows growth. It shows development. I don't. I I know people don't like that, but I love it. Like all books that do it, I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I I think it's a really engaging way to read a story. It's a good way to get to know the characters, establish that backstory. And I thought it was really clever how Beth O'Leary also had that thread of mystery throughout because you want to keep reading because you want to know how they broke up. Like that was one Mm -hmm. of the biggest driving forces for me in reading that story. And I liked that you got the then, so like the how they fell in love, how they... Mm -hmm then fell out of love, I suppose, if, if they completely fell out of love. Um, and then I also liked that you potentially, when you got to the end of the now or the end of the then section, you'd have little cliffhangers. So you'd have to keep reading yeah. and charging through the next section to come back to the now or to come back to the then um, to find out potentially what happened. Uh, I thought it was quite well structured as well in the way that the what the now was you then went yeah. back to the then and it, and it related to one another. It wasn't necessarily completely alien to what was happening in the now. I thought the structure would have been really difficult um, to do. So the structure was definitely uh, a win for both of us. Yeah. Did you also like the premise of the story, the idea that two exes ended up on a road trip together? Yeah, I thought it was a really, like, fun premise. It feels very, like, rom com to me. I feel like this book would make a really good movie. Um, like, and it had a nice ensemble of the other three people in the car as well. Like, it wasn't just the exes. The other people were there and they added a lot to the story. Um, it's, like I said, if it was a movie, it, was def- it would definitely be something that I would watch, like, with my friends. Um, it's just, it's a great setup. The characters really added something. I, yeah, I really, I really liked the premise of the book. 
Yeah, I agree. And it's probably something, it's probably why I gravitated towards it because after the switch, I was like, oh, I don't know. But when I read the the premise of it and then I saw it all over Bookstagram and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Maybe I should give um, her third book a go. Yeah. Um, the, the really like initial awkward encounter, um, the fact that they both had like a confident or confidant with them, the idea that Addie had her sister and Dylan also had his best friend. Like, so it wasn't just those two characters that knew what had happened, but it was those other characters who knew what had happened or thought they knew what had happened as well. And that kind of like kettle of fish all together, because while Addie and Dylan kind of still care about each other, um, Addie's sister, Deb, and then uh, Marcus, who is Dylan's best friend, they, they're, not, they're not necessarily going to hold back on their opinions like the two exes themselves will. And then I yes. thought, like, throwing in the random, that was Rodney. Um, and then the idea that they're all heading off in this tiny little car on the way to a, of a wedding, like the sustained tension throughout the novel was really prevalent. Um, another thing I thought I would, would throw in there is that not long before I started reading The Road Trip, I finished The Confessions of a Bookseller by Sean Bithell, uh, which is about a, a bookstore in uh, Wigtown in Scotland. And a few of the places that these characters actually travel through, Sean mentions in that novel. So it was a nice like little connection between a nonfiction a book that I had read and then this one as well. So it was nice to kind of go back to Scotland again with these characters. That would be so lovely. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone's um, interested in like kind of hearing out a fantasy of owning a bookstore, um, it, his book um, Confessions of a Bookseller is the second one. And then the first one is Diary of a Bookseller. And they're both quite sort of entertaining um, and definitely make me like, I've never been to Scotland before probably going to be ages now but it always <laughs> makes me want to go <laughs> one day um, one day you'll get to go <laughs> yeah fingers crossed um so we have we've spoken a little bit about the structure itself we've st- spoken about the premise I think the next really obvious thing about this story is the characters because there's definitely some that you love and there's some that you hate what character did you love the most I did not like any of the characters I felt very like I know this is probably an unpopular opinion but I felt quite disconnected from them um Addie and Dylan's relationship just felt like an extended fling like you know it was just like a summer thing and it felt like they just kept pushing it into their real lives and it wasn't sitting properly in the real life um they were just I don't know it just I didn't it didn't seem very real to me that they didn't have very good communication with each other and it just seemed like really immature because they were they were like grown adults. Like they had jobs, they had everything. There's no excuse to be so like lackey with their communication. But they but they were. Um, and that was really irritating to me. Like just talk about your feelings to each other. You're like 25 years old. Why can't you do this? Um, so I don't have a favorite character. Sorry. <laughs> well, I'll I'll share who mine was then before we jump in to say who we loathe the most. But I actually really loved Addie's sister, Deb. I thought mm. she was really like strong and opinionated and independent. And this also this super caring sister um, who she was like in Addie's corner when she was hating on Dylan. But, and he's, he's the spoiler alert. She was also like in Addie's corner when she kind of realized that Addie and Dylan probably should be 
together. So she kind mm-hmm. of like, yeah, I thought she was a really good blend and mix. And I think I found her quite funny um, in a lot, lot of the story and a really good addition. And even though she was like left behind when the, when she had to go to the bathroom and like hike up behind the bushes in the trees. Oh, yeah. And even though like when she got out of the car, it was like, yep, the car's going to drive off and leave her behind. <laughs> she just seemed so like, okay about it. Like she didn't yeah. really seem to be that upset and I could never be like that. So I thought it was kind of cool to read about a character like her um, in the story. But it's quite interesting that you say the idea about like the miscommunication between the the two lead characters, especially within that relationship. But I think, like, I actually think a lot of ad- like adults and you know relationships in their twenties or thirties or forties or fifties, a lot of the time people don't communicate overly well with people, and I can see how that could very well lead to a communication breakdown. Um, and this like definitely connects in with who I reckon we're both going to say that we loathe the most. But then when you add that like toxic friendship into the mix of Marcus, yeah. it breaks down that communication even more because you have someone saying, right. oh, I won't say anything to him in case he tells Marcus or, um, well, I'm not going to tell her that because it has to do with Marcus. And when I mention Marcus, she gets upset. Like you can see how yeah. then when that, like a, a relationship that's already suffering from that communication then has a, like quite a toxic friend in it, how it could just mm. crumble like it did. And that sense of trust um, was gone as well. Yeah. So who did you loathe the most? Well, I'm pretty sure this is no surprise, but I hated Marcus. He was just awful. Um, he was too involved in their relationship, like weirdly involved. Um, and I, I know we find out why at the end, but it's just, it still just didn't sit with me. I don't know if I just don't have any experience with that sort of situation in my life personally. I wouldn't imagine a lot of people do, but it's just like, kick him out. Like, why are you telling him these things? Why are you getting him in the middle of this? Why are you respecting his opinions? It's your girlfriend and it's your, like your relationship and her relationship. Why does his opinion matter that much? Like he doesn't have his bet, like your best interest in heart. You can see that. So just tell him to either stop talking about it or cut him off. Like it just seemed very irritating to me that Dylan took him into account so much. And I understand why, like she did explain it. Um, It was just irritating. (laughs) So I didn't like Marcus and his involvement in their relationship at all. Yeah, I agree with Marcus was certainly like a slimy character. Um, And he, like, even when we learn at the end, like his justification was like, oh, it's just, it's because I'm in love with Addy. It's like, what? Nah. Yeah. Nah, not a good enough excuse. I thought he was more likely to be in love with Dylan than Addy. That would have made, I feel like I would have liked that ending a little bit more because it would have made, it would have been like him hiding the fact that he's like, you know, queer plus him hiding the fact that he's in love with this person and that's why he doesn't want this relationship to go that would make sense because it's like multiple obstacles Mm. in his head that makes him act like a dick but this one was just I like your girlfriend like stop it you can just move on like it's not it was very frustrating yeah and I certainly like um like I know of like people in my life that have had that experience with a toxic friend in their relationship. And I can certainly see how a lot of these things are quite viable where 
there is that one friend, but that they've been in their life for so long and they've known them before they've known you. And like that, that whole sort of situation, like I can see how that played out. And I also kind of like that the story has that within it because it's not Mm. a very common trope to actually have that toxic friend that can impact on a relationship. So I quite enjoyed that the story had that level um, to it. But like I said, I just, I think the justification that he was in love with Addie just didn't cut it for me. Like it wasn't, it was like school kid, like, oh, they, you know, you make fun of the girl that you like. Like it just, yeah, no, that fell a bit flat. Um, Which so did the ending, unfortunately for me, like the, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, like it was totally a five-star read for me until I got to the end. And I think um, something that I did like about the ending was, and the the way that Beth O'Leary positioned me as a reader was I didn't know if I actually wanted the characters to get back together or not. Like I, Mm. I was almost in the mindset that I was like, yeah, okay. If they do, I'm okay with it. But also if they don't, I'm also okay with it. Whereas I feel like a lot of the time when you read a romance, you're like, yes, come on, get back together. Or like, come on, just get together already. But I was, I was in a mindset that was like, oh, I'm happy either way. (laughs) What did you think of the ending? I um, it was okay. Like, I mean, I didn't think this book was amazing or groundbreaking or anything. Um, I wouldn't like be the first one to recommend it to anyone. It was just very like, oh, all right, whatever. Like, I feel like whatever she would have done wouldn't have made me happy just because I wasn't, I didn't like the characters and the way they got together, the way they ended up. And even the ending, like, I just hated what Dylan did. I just, I just, I was like, there was no excuse for it. I don't care like what he said and what Marcus did. It just seems like such an awful thing to do to someone. And he did it and she, like, they got back together and I was like, oh, whatever, get back together with him, that's fine. But it was just very frustrating to me because I don't, I don't think if that happened to me, I would, like, forgive the other person. And it's just annoying when characters... It's such a stupid thing to get annoyed about. When they make decisions that are different from you, your own decisions, you're like, stop it. I don't like you anymore. And it's quite tricky because of the assault that occurred in the story. It's quite tricky yeah. in the way that he didn't, Dylan didn't know about it, but he also just believed that Addie was doing the wrong thing. Like didn't right. give her the benefit of the doubt. But I mean, yeah. you can also see in the story how it's building to that moment where he's not going to give her the time of the day or ask because Marcus has taken such a big seat Um in his life as well. I really yeah. thought the Rodney thing was going to blow up a bit more than it did. The like yeah. the whole Rodney saga. I like, I loved, I was like, Oh, here we go. Like he's not actually invited to the wedding. Ooh. Oh no. Now he's escaped with the car. Like I, I was really, I really enjoyed that element of the story. And then it kind of came to a head. I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. That's it. You just like yeah. time up in a room. <laughs> yep. I know. I, I was so excited. It was it was like a plot twist, basically, mm. and you find that out. And I was like, oh, my God, no way. I had the same thing. And then they just, it was very anticlimactic, um, like you said. And I was like, well, this isn't the way you want, I want to see it go through. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for, like, so I'd, I couldn't even, like, sometimes I have a vivid enough imagine, imagination that I was like, oh, this yeah. is what I would do instead. But I don't yeah. even really know what I would do instead, but I was just imagining it to, yeah, to, to escalate um, even bit more, further yeah. within that moment. 
Mm. I think if he like stopped the wedding like halfway through, like I mean, it would have been awful, but it would have been more fun to read about. Yeah, mm. that also would have been like quite predictable in the way like that's how it it always seems always to happen is, is someone yeah. like crashes yeah. in in the middle of the wedding. Um, but one yeah. little loophole, and I don't know whether or not it was explained, and I just sort of brushed over it. But one of the little loopholes about the whole like Facebook event and the idea that that's actually how Addy and Deb got on to taking him like wouldn't like wouldn't the bride have seen that like seen yeah. that he was in the group and mm, seen the I've, conversation like that yeah that kind of got me a bit I only like I guess that if she wasn't on her phone you know if he got mm. in to the Facebook group and all of this happened when she wasn't looking or she was busy or something like that and then she just, you know, is overwhelmed with the notifications and didn't actually scroll and look through everything. Mm. That's like an explanation, I guess, for it. Because, I mean, it happens to me all the time. I don't look at things and then someone has to tell me, hey, you missed this. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll find it. Yeah. Um, but I guess, yeah. But yeah. the fact that anyone could like request into that group would have been weird anyway. Because like one person's wedding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is there anything else you want to talk about before we end the podcast? Uh, no. <laughs> Is there anything you want to talk about? No, I think we've like rounded it off Amazing. really well. Yeah, me too. It was it was really fun chatting with you. I lo- I love chatting about books. I can do it all day. <laughs> you have been listening to the Bookstoring Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and follow me on Instagram at the Bookstoring Podcast. <laughs>